God, if you know he's good, you ought to lift your voice one more time in this place and give him a praise that is commensurate with how good he's been to you tonight. tonight uh, but if you serve a God uh, who made a way when there was no way uh, and he healed your body uh, and he delivered your soul uh, and he broke chains uh, you ought to take at least 30 seconds uh, and praise him uh, according to uh, his excellent greatness so in other words the writer said don't keep your mouth shut uh, if you've been redeemed uh, if you've been redeemed uh, then say something if you've been redeemed uh, testify if you've been redeemed uh, shout about it if you've been redeemed uh, open your mouth uh, I'm in a house full of redeemed people in this place today. Don't let these nice suits and dresses fool you. Because behind these nice suits and dresses are people that have been delivered from drugs. People that used to walk the streets. People that came from broken homes. People whose lives were a disaster. Baby, God found us and picked us up and turned us all the way around. And I got good news for you. If he did it for us, if he did it for us, he can do it for you. I don't know what you need God to do in this place, but he's able. I came to testify he's able. just need an ex-alcoholic to give him the praise. I just need an ex-drug addict to, to declare he can set you free. Hey! I need an ex-homosexual that ain't afraid to shout God can deliver in this. Yes, he can. You excited to be in the house of the Lord tonight? I tell you what, when we come together, the potential is untapped for what God can do in this place. Anybody else feel that in the building tonight? Amen. High five at least five people on the way to your seat. Tell them he's in the room. He's in the room. 
he's in the room. Amen. Woo! It feels good in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. I just want to cover a couple of things tonight by way of preliminaries. And I first want to give a great big thank you tonight for everybody that was involved in making uh, All Nations Sunday an absolute smashing success. Would you help me put your hands together and thank God for every person who spent your time, talent, and treasure making All Nations Sunday so incredible. What an amazing time we have this weekend. Uh, I want to give a special shout out tonight to our events planning team. Uh, amen. Let's give them a great hand clap of thanks. They worked tirelessly and uh, with a spirit of excellence to lay the foundation uh, for what was presented here on Sunday. And uh, not only them, but to every other department. How many of you thank God for our music and fine arts department here in the church? Did they not do such an amazing job leading us into the presence of God? And uh, man, that sign team was something else. How many of you were blessed? Oh, Naga. I was trying to keep up with them worship dance moves, man. I, I need some good lessons. Um, but it was powerful, powerful day. And uh, we had over 600 with us in service on Sunday morning. I think we ought to give God a praise for that. Amen. And when the Holy Ghost was finished, several people were filled with the Holy Ghost in the altar call. And then Abel was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Then Tyler was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Then Angelina was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Then Lisbeth was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Then Anthony was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Then Jacob was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of his sins. Come on, I think we ought to go ahead and give God a great big praise all over this sanctuary. If you can't shout about that, baby, your priorities are mixed up. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Y'all acting crazy. You can be seated tonight. Amen. And then, and then I, uh, I have to bring uh, another update tonight on the water situation here at the church. Y'all been praying about this water situation here at the church? It, it, it's, it, it's, it's spreading. It's spreading fast and, and far-reaching. 
and uh, and, and and so it, it, it's reached another family in the church. It's reached another family in the church, and uh, and and they came to me and and uh, confirmed that that they they too have been affected by whatever is in the water here at the Rock Church. And tonight we want to congratulate Brother Moses and Sister Jessica Antello on expecting another baby. Come on, would you help me give God a great big praise? Yeshua is going to be a big brother. Amen. Congratulations, Brother Moses, Sister Jessica. We are so excited about God's blessing and favor on your lives and this precious addition that is on the way. Amen, somebody. Amen. And I don't know what kind of car they drive, but I hope it's got plenty of seats. Amen. It might be time to change. Amen. We're so excited for them. How many of you came hungry for the word of the Lord in this place tonight? Stand with me if you would as we go to the book of Matthew, chapter number 7. You will find my assignment here tonight. Matthew chapter 7 is where I want to invite you to read the word of the Lord with me. And um, I'm just going to teach a little bit tonight and obey what I feel that the Lord has laid on my heart. Book of Matthew chapter 7. And I want to begin reading at verse number 24. It says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it and for a few moments tonight I simply want to teach preach about the painful process of falling apart the painful process of falling Apart. Would you put your Bibles down and clap your hands under the Lord one more time? All over this house tonight. Hallelujah. Lord, let your word find its place in our spirit tonight. 
Let us be ground that is fertile and not rocky soil tonight. God, don't let your word fall upon deaf ears and hardened hearts tonight, God, but give us ears to hear what thus saith the Lord. We don't want to just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. Give us wisdom, God. We thank you for it tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated tonight. There are a couple of things by way of context that I want to make sure you are aware of tonight. The first is that Jesus is dealing with a myriad of topics in this chapter that begin to form a funnel, a directional funnel. He begins to discuss with them and warn them about the kind of voices that they're listening to the kind of influence that they subjugate themselves to. He begins to explain to them that there will come a day when those that there will be those that say, Lord, we did this in your name and that in your name. And, and, and he will look at them and say, depart from me. I never knew you. What he in essence is trying to explain and teach is that not everybody that calls themselves a Christian is a godly influence. Not everything that prays in Jesus' name has godly intentions behind it. And so he begins to teach and to warn them. And it is on the heels of this message that he begins to speak to them concerning this wise and foolish man. It is also important to remember that Jesus was the son of a carpenter. There are many thematic principles you can find in Scripture that Jesus and other writers would use particular vernacular and terminology to try and extrapolate or uh, propagate particular principles about the kingdom of God to us, uh, whether it is terms of agriculture, uh, terms uh, that deal with fishing, certain thematic principles that would help us to better understand the kingdom of God. So it is that one of these principles we find in Scripture is the thematic principle of building and construction. We often find this theme used throughout Scripture to give us uh, illumination and understanding concerning particular principles of God's Word. And so it is that the son of the carpenter begins to explain to them in a parabolic fashion what he means by what he is teaching to them. And so he leads the story by saying, every man that hears these sayings of mine and doeth them. He then contrasts that by saying, he that hears these sayings of mine and doeth them not. He is not a man that, that is wasteful with words or speaks uh, things that don't need to be spoken. So it is evident to us that Jesus has a concern that there are people who hear what God is saying but will not take heed to what God is saying. He is addressing the fact that there is a propensity and a proclivity amongst 
people uh, to sit and hear uh, what God is trying to say, uh, but somewhere in their mind, uh, they cast off the word of God uh, and they refuse to act upon it. Uh, I heard what God said. Uh, I heard what God is saying, uh, but I'm going to do what I want to do uh, regardless of the word of God. I've got my own plans. I've got my own way of doing things. He extrapolates this idea by contrasting a wise and a foolish man. He makes the declaration that the wise man is the man that takes heed to the word of God. The wise man is the one that heeds godly counsel. He's the one that not just listens, but he obeys and acts upon what God is speaking to him. He contrasts that with a foolish man by saying the foolish man ignores what he is being told. He bypasses it. He does what he wants to do anyway. And it is evident by the story that the foolish man thinks he knows better. I can do this my way and get it done faster and more efficiently and the way that I want to do it. Jesus is trying to get us to understand that we must beware of our proclivity and propensity to follow our own senses above those that the word of God declares. We put ourselves in the seat of a fool when we reject God's word in exchange for our own. When we become our own counsel. When we become our own source of wisdom. When we become our own source of instruction. When it is us. I'm going to have it. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to plan it my way. We become foolish. One famous singer wrote a song that declared I did it my way. And he ended up dead as a young man who missed out on life because he lived by the mantra, I'm going to do it my way. And so Jesus launches into this diatribe concerning the wise and the foolish. And he chooses the vehicle of construction to get his point across. He begins by saying that the wise man uh, uh, built his house upon a rock. And when he built his house upon the rock, the winds came and the rains came and they blew against the house. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that they beat upon the house because nobody is exempt from the tests of the structures we build in our lives. 
Nobody is exempt from the process of being tried. Nobody is exempt from the process of God authenticating what it is that you have put your hands to do. Oh, I know we don't like it when God tests us, when God tries us, when God wants to see what we're made out of. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your last name is, what your socioeconomic background is, what your level of education is, how much money you have, where you came from. God is going to find out what you're made out of. God is going to test the construct of your life. He is going to weather test what it is that you have assembled together. And so it is the Lord declares that what the wise man built. When the rain ceased, the wind quit blowing, I'm going somewhere tonight, that his house remained standing. There was something about the way it was constructed that it did not fall apart. It was constructed in a way that it passed the test and it remained standing. He then contrasts and said, the foolish man built his house upon the sand and the same rain came. And the same wind blew. And the same process of testing happened. It beat upon the foolish man's house. And the scripture declares uh, that the house fell down. That the house fell apart. There was something about the construction uh, of the foolish man's house uh, that did not withstand the test. Brother Stewart, there was something that happened in the process uh, that when God put it to the test, uh, God said there's faulty construction here. There are some issues uh, with what the foolish man put together. It's not going to stand the wind and the rain and the pressure and if you put it into context you can easily draw the lines that what God is saying is that when we are given to our own wisdom instead of the wisdom of God that we are building a house that will fall apart that we are wasting our time putting together our own plans and ideas and agendas that God said when the rains come, when the wind comes, what you have built and put together will not withstand the storm. I don't know about you tonight, but I don't have time to waste in my life building things that God did not ordain get built. Doing things in a way, in a fashion that are not God's way. That's not God's process. That's not God's material. I don't want to build my life and then go through the season and have to find out the hard way that all that I did and all my efforts were in vain because it comes tumbling down 
to uh, the ground. I don't know if you've ever built anything before, uh, but it's a lot of effort, uh, and it's a lot of money, uh, and it's a lot of time uh, and resources uh, just to find a place uh, where it falls down. This is the picture that God is painting between the wise and the foolish. And so, I remember learning about this when I was a little boy. As a matter of fact, we still teach Sunday school songs to our kids about this scripture. Wise man built his house upon the The wise man built his house upon the rock. We teach our kids. The foolish man. Then we sing, the rains came down and the floods came up. teach them about the wise man and the foolish man. And so I learned that as a kid. And then when I got a little bit older, I started trying to figure things out. And I started doing a little bit of research when First Lady and I were young. We, we bought our first house when I was 18 years old. And, 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 and they, they told me something early on. They, they said, that there's three words that are the most important words in real estate. Location, location, location. And so I thought, ah, now I understand about the wise and the foolish. The wise man had a better location. He built his house on the rock. And the foolish man was foolish because he didn't care about the location. He, he built it on the sand. And, and this was my, my, my thought process about the wise man and the foolish man. I read the, read the scripture in the book of Matthew chapter 7 and I thought, man. But one day I stumbled upon this same story in the book of Luke. Are you with me tonight? I'm still giving you my introduction. And when you go to the book of Luke, chapter 6 and verse 47, here's what it says. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. And the next verse is where the revelation is. He is like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And I remember the first time I read, I said, hold on a second. This changes everything because it has nothing to do with location. They both built their house in the same place. The difference between the wise man and the foolish man is that the wise man understood the importance of digging a, a foundation. I'm about to preach in this place. The wise man understood uh, before I go up, I first uh, have to go down. But the foolish man thought, uh, 
I'm going to skip the process because I just want to go up. My only concern is with promotion. My only concern is with elevation. I don't want to waste my time going down. So I'm just going to go ahead and start building the house without building a foundation. And this is where God began to show me the painful process of falling apart. There was something about the foolish man who looked at the situation and said, you know what? I got an idea. I know I'm supposed to have a foundation, but I wonder how much, listen to me, I wonder how much time I could save if I just skipped that part. I wonder how fast I could get to my goals if I just skipped the foundation part. I wonder, I just wonder, I mean, it's not really all that important anyway. I'm just going to go ahead and start building right where I am. You see, because the issue is, is that digging the foundation is no fun. It's probably one of the most difficult part of the entire building process is digging the foundation. Anybody beside me ever been on the business end of a shovel before? It is one of the lowest levels of labor that you can do in a construction project is for them to hand you a shovel and tell you to start digging and over and over it's repetitive you got to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and then you want to know what else there's nothing flashy about digging a foundation because everything is happening below ground where nobody can see your progress it's all happening in a hidden place uh, where nobody can drive by uh, and say, look at what they're doing with their life. Uh, look at how far they've come. Uh, the foundation happens uh, in the secret place. Uh, it happens below the surface uh, when it's nobody else uh, but you uh, and God. Uh, and only God can keep track uh, of what's happening in the foundation. Uh, and only God is keeping record uh, of how much time you're spending in his presence. And only God is keeping track of what you're doing when nobody else can see it. It is the foundation that is the basis for the building. And if you're going to have a good building, it starts with the foundation. I'm, I'm preaching. I hope you don't tune me out tonight. And so... The wise man understood. He looked over and saw the foolish man. He's already got his house framed. He's already got stuff coming up. And here I am still trying to dig to the bottom. This is why the scripture declares we are foolish 
when we compare ourselves amongst ourselves. I'm going to say that again for the hearing impaired. We are foolish when we compare ourselves amongst ourselves. You see somebody and you envy what they've got going on. And sometimes you don't even realize there's not even a foundation underneath what you're looking at. What they have built has nothing underneath supporting it. You're impressed by a house of cards that when the rain comes is going to fall. Come on, somebody. And what happens is if you become impressed by what they're doing, you'll be tempted to repeat what they did. Well, look what they did. I can do it too. They skipped the process and look what happened to them. They look like they're happy. They look like they're blessed. They look like they Baby, what I'm telling you is that the right storm hasn't come yet. But there's going to come a time. You see, God let him get the entire house built before the storm came. God let him get the roof on, the paint, the trim, the landscape, and then the test came. You better be careful what kind of process that you emulate because not everything you see is what you think that it is. Most of the quality is measured below the surface. This is why in the building process, they don't let you just build the whole house and then come to inspect it. You got to get a permit for everything. I hate it. Brother Stewart, I hate it. Brother Whitmer, I hate it. Just let me do what I want to do. But you know what it is? It's accountability. Oh, it's going to get quiet up in this house. What they are saying is, we're going to make you accountable to us for all of your actions. You know what? Some people don't like having to get permission to do things because they don't want to be accountable for their decision. They don't want to be told no. And so it's easier to start building without a permit. I'm just going to see how far I can get before somebody says anything. I'm just going to go ahead. I'm preaching really, really good right now. The permit means permission. And the reason is they said we want to make you accountable for your actions. I know you think you know best, but baby, it is our job to hold you accountable because what you do affects more than just you. Because what you do in your house and your doesn't just affect because your house is connected to somebody else's house. And your land is connected to somebody else's land. And we've got to make sure that you are doing things with integrity and doing it right and not shortcutting the process. Foolish men hate permits. Foolish men don't, don't want that. I already admitted to you, I hate permits. I, I've had to buy them before. I've had to wait for them before. Oh, let's, let's not go down that, that, that track. Impatience will kill you. Impatience with God's process will cause you to abort your destiny. 
foolish men. So I'm just going to go ahead and start. And then you know what? Once you get the permit, you start preparing the soil. And some of these builders, Brother Whitmire, Brother Stewart, they know better than I do. I'm just winging my, my, my ideology here the best I can. But, but then when you get the permit, you, you start prepping the soil that you're going to put the foundation on. You got to dig down. And the bigger the house, the bigger the foundation. You, you missed it. The bigger the capacity of what it is you're building, the more time you're going to spend in preparation. The more time you got big dreams, be prepared for big prep time. Come on, you got big aspirations? You better be just as committed to the preparation as you are watching the walls go up. If you're ever going to see anything come to pass that God blesses, that God keeps, oh, you better be committed to the process. And then when you get it dug, before you even put the foundation, you know what they come and do? They come and do a compaction test. They come test the soil. And you want to know what happens if you don't have it right? They tell you to redo it. Yep. We'll come back in two weeks and see if you got it right. And if you get mad and throw your shovel and cuss out the inspector and you say, you know what? I ain't changing nothing. I know just good. In two weeks when they come back and they test it, they're not going to give you your permit. They're going to say, we can do this all year long. Matter of fact, next time we come out, it's going to cost you. The price of inspection is going to go higher. Because now you're being negligent. And so, then when you get that part done, then you, then you pour the foundation. And guess what happens before you even start building your support walls or your stem walls. Did I get it right? I don't, I don't know. They're going to test your foundation. It's got to have, you know that concrete has to have the right mix. It's got to have the right density. Somebody who's a concrete worker, give me an amen. Let me know I'm not crazy. Your footer's got to be so wide, so deep. They're going to, everything's got to be the way the plan said that they approved. And if you didn't do it that way, you're going to dig it up and pour it again. And you're going to dig it up and pour it again. Why? Because they understand if you try to build on top of foolishness, there's going to come a storm. There's going to come a time where, where this structure is not going to be safe. And if there's people inside, uh, they, they, you stand the chance of injuring people and putting people in harm's way. And, and the, the, come on, somebody. Uh, you, you, you can get mad all you want to, uh, but the process is there uh, for a reason. Uh, and you find it right here in the Word of God uh, that God is all about uh, process. God is all about process. And honey, listen, you can get mad at the process all you want to, but God 
God will not let you pass go. Uh, you will not collect $200 uh, no matter how angry you get. Uh, and if you go ahead and build it anyway, uh, God said you're like a foolish man uh, who decided to skip the process uh, and just build the house anyway. Uh, the painful process uh, of things falling apart uh, is when somebody embraces the idea that I don't have to wait. I don't have to follow a process. I don't have to be accountable. I'm going to do it the way. That's how you build something that's eventually going to fall apart. And then what happens is when it falls apart, you get angry and you get bitter and you point fingers and you start blaming other people. Well, if they would do this and if they would do that and then no, 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 no. If you would just heed the word of the Lord uh, and become obedient uh, and submitted to the word of God. Uh, if you spent, uh, help me Holy Ghost, uh, if you spent half the energy uh, that you do complaining about the process, uh, committing to it, uh, you'd be farther along right now than you can absolutely believe. Uh, if you'd spend even part of the energy and emotion uh, that you do fighting against God's process, uh, God would already have you down the road uh, doing something incredible uh, in your life. Uh, I came to preach to somebody uh, that the fastest way up uh, is down. The fastest way up uh, is to get down uh, and commit yourself uh, to the foundation uh, and the process of your life. You can often pick up the pattern of people who live their life in a foolish manner because everything they build keeps falling apart. Everything they touch just keeps falling apart and falling apart and falling apart. Why? Because they will not commit themselves to the discipline of the process. And so, you know what the foolish man would say? It just ain't working in this ground. I'm going to go build it somewhere else. Changing location doesn't change your character. If you're disobedient over here, you're going to be disobedient over there. If you're stubborn over here, baby, you're going to be stubborn over there. You can't outrun a bad attitude. You can't move far enough away to escape poor character. The problem isn't the geography. The problem is your attitude towards God's process. And God's trying to get you to understand that if you would listen to God's voice and turn yourself off for a minute, God wants to do so. He said, I know the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord. Jeremiah 29 11. The problem is God's got plans and you want to do your plan uh, instead of God's plan. Uh, you want God to stamp approved uh, on your plan uh, instead of God's plan. Uh, because your plan doesn't include the foundation. Uh, and it's full of shortcuts. Uh, and it's full of selfishness. Uh, 
But God said you could build it if you want to, but it's going to fall down and it's going to become a cycle over. You could pick up the pieces and build it again. It's still going to fall down. You could put reinforced walls, hurricane windows, and the best roof money can buy. But if the foundation is missing, it's still going to fall We spend more time fighting the process than if we would just humble ourselves and say, God, I'm obviously missing something here. Anybody beside me ever been there before? Anybody beside me willing to admit you've been there before and said, I'm stuck on stupid? Why do I keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result? I finally get into the floor and say, God, whatever it is I got to fix, help me fix it, God. Whatever my, my attitude, uh, my perspective, uh, I, I don't care if you've got to uproot my belief system. Uh, if I've got some things in my mind and heart uh, that I know are, uh, that you know are corrupt and not, uh, Lord, uh, if there be any wicked way in me, uh, get it out of me, God. Uh, that's what the foundation looks like, uh, is when you get down on the ground and start saying Lord we gotta dig this up I'm gonna do whatever I gotta do until honesty is at the core of who I am and I get deception out of my heart God I'm gonna do whatever I gotta do until I dig up the roots of bitterness out of my spirit you can't build a house on roots of bitterness God I'm gonna do whatever I gotta do to get the self control issues uh, uh, come on uh, that's what building the foundation uh, looks like uh, you can't out preach poor character you try to build a ministry without addressing the foundation it's going to fall and the Bible says, and great was the fall of it. I've had people over the years, come on, pastor, I got a call to preach. But can't even be faithful to the house of God. You know what it is? It's a foundation issue. They're missing faithfulness out of their foundation. And, and they're focused on trying to build some vision of a ministry. I, I, I want to be some great leader in the kingdom of God and can't even lead their own family. You know what you need to do? Put the hammer away. Put the paintbrushes away. And it's time to get a shovel and get on your face and say, God, let's get to work on the foundation of my life. God, dig me up, Jesus. Come on, I'm preaching really good tonight. Lord, dig I'm preaching about the painful process of falling apart. It's more painful to fall apart than it is to just humble yourself and let God work on you. I promise you, it's more painful to keep falling apart over and over again than it is for you to just humble yourself and say, Lord, work on me. 
Work on me until I'm obedient. Work on me until I quit kicking against the pricks. Work on me until I quit getting an attitude every time I'm corrected. Work on me until I can be rebuked and receive it from you, God. Work on me until I've got to walk with you and I'm, my best friend is the altar. Mike, I got potential. Give me the mic. How are you going to lead people to an altar you never come to? What kind of altar call are you going to make? The first one you need to make is an altar call to yourself. You got to learn to come to the altar before you try to get anybody else to come to the altar. I'm preaching better than some of y'all are shouting in this place. I'm preaching about the painful process of falling apart. There's a reason why things keep falling apart. It's time for you to go back and inspect the foundation of everything you're building in your life. It's a foundation issue. You can't build anything if you don't have a walk with God and a life of prayer. Everything is built on prayer. I'm going to say that again for every devil that wants to marginalize the power of prayer. I said everything is built on prayer. Find the scripture for me. The Bible said in everything, everything in prayer and supplication, everything, let your request be made known unto the Lord. You know who marginalizes prayer? The foolish man. Praying's a waste of my time. I prayed and it didn't work. That's the words of a foolish man. I prayed and nothing happened. That's the mark of a foolish man. You don't understand how prayer works. Prayer has more to do with you than it does God. We talk about moving God. Baby, prayer is designed to move you. Oh, I came to preach in this place. You need to pray until something changes in you. God's not your magic genie. God's not up there just waiting for you to tell him what you want him to do. When you pray, something shifts inside of your spirit. Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication. Prayer is the key. You wouldn't believe the Christian people I've had tell me before. Why do you just keep telling me to pray about it? Why tell me just keep praying about it? Because I'm going to keep saying it until you start praying about it. <sighs> Your prophets sit there. Go look. Is there anything in the sky? Nothing. Go look again. Come back again. Is there anything there? Nope. Keep on praying. Go look again while I keep on praying. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Everything in prayer.
And here's, here's where I want to, to close tonight. Scripture talks about the rebuilding of the tabernacle. The rebuilding of the tabernacle. You can, you can find this in the word of the Lord. The book of Zechariah chapter 4 and verse number 10. Here's what it says. It says, for who hath despised the day of small things? You look up that word despised. It means to, to have extreme dislike for something. To, to, to be con, in contempt of something. Who shall despise the day of small things? For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel. In one transliteration, it talks about they shall see the cornerstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. Another transliteration says the capstone, and those are two different things. But the literary interpretation is simple. It's this. That in the rebuilding of the temple, the most important stone that is put in a building is that cornerstone. It is the first foundational stone that is laid for the building. And the writer said, who shall despise the day of small things? In the day of small things, what happens? They see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel. What is a plummet? It's just a King James word for a plumb line. How many of you know what a plumb line is? A plumb line is a construction device that I don't think they even use anymore nowadays with the invent of lasers. But they would take a string with a weight on the bottom of it and they would hold that string and let the weight come to a complete rest and gravity would pull that string in a perfectly straight line. And that's how they would determine if something was perfectly vertical or not. They would hold that plummet next to the stone. And if the stone was not perfectly straight, they would have to start over and reposition the stone. How many times? however many times it takes until the cornerstone was completely straight. Why? Because if that cornerstone is even off a little bit, as you start going down the row in building the foundation, something that's off one centimeter over here is going to be off 15 centimeters here and 50 centimeters here and by the time you get way over here it'll be so far off there's nothing you can do to possibly correct it and so in the day of small things it was the day of adjustments 
It was the day that Zerubbabel would put the plumb line on there and say, nope, it's not right, guys. Get it straight. And they would make the adjustment and he'd put the plumb line and say, no, not quite yet. And the writer said, who shall despise the day? You know why? Because it's easy to despise the process of correction. It's easy to despise the days of God trying to correct what's crooked in the foundation of your life. And God has to keep coming to you and saying, nope, but God, I'm ready to build. I know you are, but you got to get this right first. It's easy to despise the process, but God, I got dreams and visions. I know you do, but they'll they'll crash and burn if you don't get the foundation right. And God said, who shall despise? Don't despise the day of small things. Don't get angry with God. Don't get impatient with the process of God correcting you and God adjusting you. Come on. If you get mad every time that God tries to correct you and an adjustment is made, you're testifying of how foolish you are. You're testifying. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody. Don't be like the foolish man who said, I'm going to skip that part of the process. I don't want to mess with the. It's good enough for me. I don't care who doesn't like it. I'm going to build it my way. Because when you skip the process... It becomes the painful process of things falling apart. And then you got to stand in front of piles of rubble and say, why isn't it working? Why isn't it working for me? And God's saying, go back to the foundation. Come on. There's some things way back here that you skipped and you never got them right and you never fixed them and you never surrendered them and you never got, come on, I'm preaching to somebody in the building. I'm a, let's stand all over the house. I know it's a Tuesday night, but I feel like God is calling some people in this house and God's saying, I've got some plans for you. I got some things that I want to do in your life that are incredible. But you've been kicking against the process. You've been fighting against my correction and me trying to, to get things straight. But I feel the Holy Ghost in the building. Somebody in this house is about to surrender themselves to the process of God and say, God, I have no more time to waste. God, I have no more resources to waste. God, I can't live another day, week, month, or year without knowing I've got some things settled in my spirit. God, what I do from this point forward has got to last. What I build from this moment forward has got to be according to your plan. It's got to be according to your way. It's got to be, come on, somebody in the building. I wonder if you would lift your hands and begin to pray right now. Come on. Maybe you've been despising the day of small things. Maybe you've been looking at the ground and trying to take the easy way. You know what, God? 
God will give you the grace to start over again. God will give you the grace to begin again. God will give you the opportunity to get the foundation corrected. God will give you the chance to go back. Come on, somebody. Come on. Come on, don't let your impatience cause you to abort God's plan for you. Come on, don't let stubbornness cause you to lose out on what God wants to do. Come on, in Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name. Somebody needs to surrender right now. Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Come on. Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Come Come on, not my will, but thy will be done, oh God. Come on. Come on, get your eyes off of the person next to you and what God is doing in their life. And get your eyes on God's process for your life tonight. Get it right, God. I've got to get it right, God. Come on. Come on, sir. Come on, sir. God wants to build your family. God wants to build your future. God wants to bring blessing to your life that won't flee from you. Come on. God wants to prosper you in a way that doesn't keep falling apart. time to stop running from the process and surrender to the process. Come on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Here I am, God. Come on. How long are you going to embrace identity you built for yourself and when are you going to surrender it for God's identity for who you should be come on God I spent all these years building this but tonight I give it to you God and I start all over again God take me back to the foundation God take me back to the beginning God take me back Back to where it all began. Come on. Come on, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. 
Tonight's the night I surrender to the process. Tonight's the night I submit myself to the process. Oh